This is the Grace in the Gray podcast, where we use the black and white of scripture to speak truth into the gray areas of culture. I want to start maybe with some blanket statements that'll catch all and maybe help, hopefully comfort people. I feel like we enter into conversations and we hear these things like you were talking about, like, I know I should be reading my Bible. I should be listening to God's word. I know that I should be talking to God. I should be using my voice to, to lift it to him so that he can hear me. I know that he's a God who listens and I know that I should have this strong prayer life. And then the last one is I'm going to talk about being connected. I know that I should be connected with a church or connected with other believers. But I, I want to maybe throw this comforting statement out. Um, just because those are realities that are true doesn't make them easy, yeah. right? And I think the natural progression for all of us, whether we know Jesus and are walking with Jesus or aren't doing that and we're just checking out this podcast because the title clickbait got us um, or whatever it may be, I, I think it's important to recognize that whichever camp we are in right now and whatever camp we came out of, we tend to drift back into God's love being about us, yeah. right? And so that drifts for the religious group into the religious background, right? And like we demand what people do or don't do in order to be a part of this club that we've created, that you got to behave this way and check these boxes and dress these way. And we're going to talk a lot about those in podcasts to come, these kind of false guardrails that we set around things like if you don't meet these requirements, this base level kind of entry level requirements, then sorry, this isn't the place for you. And that's that's not how God's love operates. Uh, and if if that's you and you've been hurt by the church or, or this bad version of Christianity that says, be these things, act this way, and then you can believe this thing, I want you to hear me say, I'm sorry. Uh, I, that's not God's heart. Um, God's heart is um, for our joy, fleshed out in Him, to yeah. know Him, to know His love, and to find joy in that. And so I'm sorry for that, uh, and I want you to know you're in the right place. That's what we're here to talk about and to hold up this picture of what's God's love really looks like for us. And I want to challenge you if you if you are from the church and you find yourself drifting back into that. Um, one, I think you're, you're first you're robbing people of the freedom to come and freely explore what it looks like to walk in Jesus's grace. But two, I think you're robbing yourself of joy, yeah. right? Like we're, I'm going to walk through these things and, and, and I think, I hope that you're going to see that as your theology develops, as your understanding of God develops through these spiritual disciplines, through these practices that we know we're supposed to put in place in our lives, that when they become some just religious checklist, you rob yourself of the joy that they were created for. And so I, I hope people see that. I hope people stay through this and don't go, just another conversation about how I don't read my Bible enough or pray enough, because I really want to... I don't want to, because I, I think all of us would recognize we're still kind of in that season of New Year's resolutions. Like probably everybody's like, no, dude, I'm crushing my quiet time right now. We, we yeah, it's January, right? Yeah. Like we're all crushing our quiet time right now. If that was your goal, talk to us in June, you know, when you're back at cookout again for your 97th slice of cheesecake. Oh, yeah. Come uh, on, um, Come on. And so, you know, wrong with that. there's, there's, there's so much joy to be found in these things and developing a deeper theology. And, and I think the, the poor theology also using your great commandment stems out of this idea that sometimes we try to rearrange that we try to love people. Uh, and then as a means of that, understand what it means to love God. And I think the order that Jesus put that in is unbelievably important that we would love God and that our understanding of God and our affection for God and our relationship with God would fuel and form the way that we love people, yeah. right? Like, And so I think all of these, first and foremost, as we walk through all of these kind of practices, I want us to see that what they're mainly going to be are just practices that are meant to teach us about who God is. Yeah. 
Um, and then there's a danger inside of it that as we learn about who God is, whether it be through Bible or prayer or being plugged in community, that knowing information about God is never the end, right? That our, our I always say it this way, our theology, our understanding of God should always fuel our affection for God. Otherwise, you're just a Bible scholar who should teach a seminary class and you don't have a transformed heart that's walking yeah. in a relationship with a God who loves you. And so I'll kind of jump into that first one, um, the Bible. Uh, the Bible is a hard one, especially to stay in consistently. And I think there's a variety of reasons for that. It's thousands of years old. Some people will wrestle with how relevant is it and how, you know, how relevant is it in today's world that's that's so modern, that's so we have all of the information that we need at the push of a finger. I don't understand it. I, you know, and, and I and I and I completely get that. Um, one of the things I get to do in the role that I'm in right now is is premarital counseling for people. And one of the encouragements that I give to people is as you get married, there's going to be a temptation to believe you no longer need to date your spouse, right? That you no longer need to study, to understand, to walk in a relationship with them. And I think one of the huge things um, that the Bible does for us continually, I love that it's called the living word, that every time I've read through it, even passages, you know, as I sit and ponder passages like John 3, 16 and stuff that you know forever, every time you read it and sit and ponder, if you're, if you're faithful to really get alone and sit and ponder those things, I think God's Spirit has always been faithful, at least in my life, to show up and to show something new that I've never considered about God, that, or in light of that, that I've never considered about myself. And so I want to, first, I want to tell people what the Bible is not, uh, that maybe you've been led to believe, and there'll be a caveat with this because it kind of is and is not this. Um, first off, again, another apology if you're not a believer, the Bible was never intended to be a weapon. Uh, at least not in the way that many people, especially here in the Bible Belt where we, where we live, use it. Um, it absolutely is a, is a weapon in the life of a believer to battle back against our sin, to battle back against our struggles, to battle back against our shortcomings, and to be reminded of our ultimate hope. But it was never meant to be a weapon that I somehow used to bludgeon people who don't live up to a standard that I've set for them to death, yeah. right? And so I think for you, if that's your understanding of the Bible, is that this is just a book to point out how far away you are from what this Christian doctrine believes that you should be. I I hope that you'll at least read it, maybe crack it this week with a fresh perspective and go, the Bible is first and foremost a book about God. It's his story, yeah. right? It's his word. That's what we said. It's, it's about him. And so all of what we pull from the Bible starts with what we pull from our understanding of who God is informed by Scripture. And so what I believe about me or what I believe about my behavior and the way that I, my, my behavior has changed since I followed God isn't because I read some book that says this is wrong. It's because I've developed a relationship with a God and an understanding of who that God is through this book that informs the behavior of my life. And so it's a weapon to help me battle against the things that I think rob me of the joy and in being able to enjoy the love that you were talking about. But it's not a tool to beat somebody to death with, right? Like yeah. it's not like hey, I memorize all this so that I know what the next big thing to protest is or what we're supposed to be against and what we're supposed to be for. In fact, I think the more that you read it and the more you understand God, the more you understand how much humility we should walk in and how much we should enjoy the grace of God. And then as we enjoy that grace of God, how much more we should be pushed to use that grace of God to display it to the world that yeah. we live in that's in so much need of hope. And I, and I think of the second question is, after I figure out what the book is and what the book is not, I ask, what's it for? You know what I mean? And I go to maybe the most famous passage in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, that kind of gives us that long list of, here's what the Bible can be used for. God's Word is useful for teaching, for preaching, for rebuking, for all of those things. And we could spend 
four hours, but nobody wants to do that. Unpacking all of that, what I what I hope to see, I came across a um, a quote this week. Uh, I think it was by Spurgeon that he said um, something along the lines of, "If you find a Bible that's falling apart, it usually belongs to a person who's not right." And I think important in that is that Paul goes through that passage in Second Timothy that says. This book, this love letter from God that informs you about his character and in light of that informs you about who you are centrally is the guy, is the guardrails for your life, right? Not do this and you, it's going to go bad or do this and it's going to go well, but it's just stay in this sweet spot. Experience the joy that God's created you to walk in by understanding who he is and allow it to inform and shape not just some compartments of your life or some ways that you do some things, but it's a book that genuinely has the authority and the ability when you understand it and read it through the light, right lens to inform every part of our lives. Yeah. And so I think using it for that and stepping beyond just 15 minutes in the morning or 15 minutes at night and then be done with it, which takes me to the next concept. And this is the one that I struggle with the most as I came to faith in Jesus and it's it's prayer, right? And so again, I want to give you permission to struggle. Uh, I'm super type A and super logical, so the rom-coms is not my thing, <laughs> you know? Um, I've never seen, this is, this. Is, somebody's going to comment on this in the podcast, I've never seen Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter, any of I them, mean, or Star Wars. I don't um, think any of those qualify as rom-coms. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I went yeah, to I a different thing. Connection. That's fantasy. Yeah, I went to fantasy. I don't I see the connection. Sorry, I made a segue in my head. I didn't make Rick a Rick has actually never seen a movie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what are what are movies? Is that like reels on yeah, Instagram? Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so um, this is one that I greatly struggle with as somebody who doesn't live well in that fantasy world or just kind of in the abstract world, as somebody who's a logical, very, you know, just kind of thinks through things and processes it through it. As I came to faith in Jesus, it felt like I was just saying this thing before we ate or like I would read my Bible and then it was like I was I was talking to myself in my head or worse, talking to myself out loud and I, and I didn't really know um what to do with it, what to, what I was supposed to make of this. And the more that I, that I've kind of walked through prayer and, and, and studied prayer and looked at prayer. And it's really cool that this is what we're walking through at our church right now. And even thinking through it during this series that we've been walking through right now is really understanding what prayer is and what prayer isn't. And I think it's, again, just like when we look at the Bible been reduced to something far below what it should be. Yeah. Like when you look at it in the pages of scripture, that it's a that one, we we find prayer gives us permission to struggle, yeah. right? Like I love the fact that prayer gives us permission and informs us of our, ourselves having a God that wants to hear from us, yeah. right? I think that's a need that's deeply woven into all of us. You know, I have a, a four-year-old daughter right now, and sometimes I pick her up from school and I'm like, hey, how did you, how'd school go? Or she comes in and how's school going? It's like, fine. And then other days, uh, we went up to a college football game and for two and a half hours, she talked the entire time like did like you have to breathe like yeah. you have got to breathe you at some stop. point and but you see that even like in young kids this this kind of intrinsic need that i need i need to be heard right yeah. like i need to know that someone listens and so the radical thing about prayer when you begin to understand it is the bible's going to teach us that you're not just heard by the people sitting around the table that this thing isn't just okay cool yeah they said a blessing they're a good christian boy or girl but the god of the universe is actually listening cares and is moved by our prayer, yeah. right? That he is that he is listening and responding to these things that we say to him, and they give us permission to struggle, right? Like I love um, 
John 5.15 is, or 1 John 5.15 is going to give us that reality that we all need this and that God is hearing this. But then as we as we go forward through the rest of the pages of Scripture, we're going to see that God gives us permission to be honest, yeah. right? To go, hey, when you're struggling, come to me. Or when things are going well, come to me. I think of James chapter 5 where we have this long list of do this, don't do this, do this. When you're walking through this, pray. When you're in this season, pray. When you're in that season, pray. Walk with God. And I think it's that... It's again that pointer that this is beyond just a spiritual discipline that's supposed to be beaten into our lives, and this is actually an invitation to our relationship. Yeah. Like this is an invitation to to talk and to get to know God and for God to, he knows everything about us, but for us to express our heart yeah. and him hear us and, and respond to that. And I think it also gives us an opportunity. We live in a world that's so loud, right? That's everything, you know, I, I think about it, and there's except, moments... Except for me. Not <laughs> no, you're not loud at no. all. Uh, I just think about the fact that, you know, there's moments where I'm at the dinner table talking to my wife, answering an email, responding to a text message, planning for the next day, and trying to figure out what I'm going to make my daughter for lunch all simultaneously. And I think one of the really cool things that we miss when we don't think about prayer correctly is that prayer is an opportunity to pause that, yeah. right? And that's another thing that was really hard for me in being type A and driven is that it's it's an opportunity to just go, God, give me the ability for 10 minutes to just sit in your presence, to just enjoy your goodness, to just be reminded of your grace. I love the fact that the Lord's Prayer that we've been walking through is it starts the whole beginning of it, really the first whole half of it, maybe even more than that, is just reflecting on who God is, yeah. right? Like it's the beginning of prayer is not please don't let this collard greens make me sick, right? It's, God, thank you for who you are. God, remind me of your glory. My circumstances may be reminding me of that, or my circumstances may be pointing me towards a truth or a, a false truth that's not reminding me of who you are, that I might not be able to see that because I'm struggling and I'm walking through pain and difficulty. And in either of those, either of those moments, it's just an opportunity to sit and to pause and to reflect on God's goodness and all that he's done for us. And I think that's huge. And then I think this is cool too, and I've thought about this. It's also an opportunity to unload, right? Mm -hmm. it, is yeah. the, it is the moment that you get to be the four-year-old in the backseat of a car, that you've had a long day, that life's, life can be really good, but life also can be really bad. Yeah. It can be really hard, and it's an opportunity to unload on somebody who's not ignoring you or not going to be angry with you or disappointed in you or looks at you and goes, well, look at all that I've given you and look at how this is how you're responding because one thing goes, no, it's a a loving father who wants us to enjoy being in his presence and who is going to to work and to grind and to use that time together and he invites us yeah. to come into his presence and not be clean and not have all the answers the right way or say the big magical words that are in prayer but just to simply unload to just go this is where i am help me yeah. this is where i am this is where i want to go and then as we do all of those things reflect and unload and celebrate god's grace and see his presence see his power in our lives I think what it ultimately does, just like reading the Bible, is it causes us to grow, yeah. right? Like it causes me to grow not into a better Christian boy or girl, not into being able to tie my tie tighter and, and, and answer the Sunday school questions more correctly, but into having maybe a more proper perspective on the situations that I struggle with in my life, or if nothing else, to grow into recognizing that I'm created to walk in joy that's greater than happiness and a joy that's greater than circumstances. Yeah. And so I see that as I pray and as I walk through that. And then the last one. I think oh, one, one second, yeah. something you made me think of, because all those things, all those things are true. Like yeah. it really like prayer and even scripture too, but especially prayer 
it really allows us to acknowledge it, it, a, a true view of who God is and all that he is and all that he can do. But then also, like you said, a, a real acknowledgement of all that we're not mm. and all we don't have. But the fact that it does that, but also like even the disciples before the Lord's, the reason why he gives the Lord's prayer is because of the disciples are like, Hey, we don't know how to pray. Yeah, teach us how to do like, that. we know we're supposed to be doing this yeah. thing. So yeah, like it totally, that that's the biggest thing for me with prayer is yes, it allows me to do all those things, but it doesn't come natural. Mm. It's not something you become a Christian and it's, Oh, I can pray effectively in the way that God calls me to. It's something that we have to grow in. It's like any other discipline in our lives, whether it's dieting, whether it's exercise, whatever it is, it takes time to learn it. Yeah. And I think a lot of times says, we says the cookout guy about that's dieting. Right, that's right, baby. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it's it's one of those where it's not instantaneous. Mm. It's it's something that we have to learn how to do. Yeah. So I thought that was I thought that was important. Yeah, no, and I think that's again kind of the starting point that I want to just remind people of that these are all things that you're you're never going to arrive at. Yeah. Right? You're never going to be done growing in or walking in. And I also want to give you permission. They may never become things that become super easy for you. No. Right. Like I remember looking at my grandparents um who have passed away now, but just their prayer life was unbelievable. And I remember being envious of that, but almost allowing that envy to rob me of joy that it was like I wish that I could have that. Like, I wish that that is where I am. And and that's still my prayer, but my prayer is now, God, help me become that. Not, not golly, I just feel like a terrible Christian, like I'm yeah. never going to measure up and do it. And so the last, the last one, and maybe I think one of the most, if not the most important ones that we walk in today, and one that I think many of us probably believe we have uh, and have been lied to, of these gifts that we kind of live out, these these disciplines, if you will, that we're that we're called to live in is the one is community. Um, it's God's people, right? Like that we're called, that you're not called to live life alone, that none of us were created, um, you know, to be part of the hipster movement, you know, that even the hipster movement became a movement because all these people that decided they were going to be hipsters became hipsters together, yeah. right? And so we're created for community and the danger that exists in our world right now is that the world tries to convince us we already have it, right? That it's it's available on social media. It's available in putting your best foot forward and allowing people to see your Instagram highlights, to see the the peak performance of your life when everything's together. And I've just, as I've walked through life, found that the community that's the most transformative is the people who are there when it's the moments that you'd never even imagine or fathom posting on Facebook. You know, I, I think... This has been one of the things in the in the past year. Um, I actually had a doctor's appointment today with a neurologist a, a little under a year ago. I had a seizure, um, which was really difficult. Which you, I mean, you were there and got to walk through some of that with me, which really had me in a in a in a tremendously dark place. That I, you know, it was moments where I doubted God, where I was angry, where I was just frustrated. I lost my driver's license for six months. A month after having a brand new baby, I I couldn't hold the baby by myself, and there was just so many moments that it seemed like the darkness was greater than the light. And I knew from scripture that I, that I shouldn't be there, but, but on my own strength, it was like, I couldn't get to the spot that I could pray the light into being bigger or better than the darkness. And I, I couldn't remind myself of those passages of scripture that I've, that I've tried to memorize and that I've tried to know. And it was through those moments that people that I were close with were willing to literally, um, one of my buddies who we hope to have on the podcast coming up was, was willing to come and pick me up and take me and my son to daycare and drop me off and then bring me and drop me off at school. And for six months, I got to see the power of just 
conversation, being with people that God's placed in our life and, and being in community with them. Uh, and I think that's hugely important because life's going to come off the tracks at some point, right? Like if it hasn't yet, then praise God for that, but it's going to. Something's going to come up that's difficult. And in those moments, you can't do it alone. But in addition to just the suffering, I would also say that I think theology, all of these things, prayer, Bible study, I think they're always best done as a team sport. Yeah. Uh, I, I think back to the funny scene from, from Talladega Nights, right? Like if we don't have team theology, I think we're in danger of reading the Bible only through our lens and praying only through our lens of our background, our experiences, the way that we interpret things and all that we've walked through. And you end up sitting at the dinner table praying to whatever, nine pounds, baby. six ounce baby Jesus or whatever Tuxedo version. Jesus, like <laughs> the party. Whatever, uh, whatever version of Jesus you create and you're comfortable with. And I think that in and of itself, again, backs up to the launching point of this whole discussion robs you of joy. Because I think... The version of Jesus that I create is always going to be infinitely more shallow than the version of Jesus we find in Scripture. And so the more that I connect with that Jesus through the Bible, through his word, the more that I pray and bend his ear and, and align my heart with his will through prayer, and the more that I walk through communi in community with his people um, to allow them to draw in, I think the, the more the more full I'm going to be yeah. able to enjoy his love and the more that I'm going to recognize that my performance in these three categories or any of the other categories we could heap on top of these main three. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's air quotes, main three that have yeah. been kind of the ones that have made super important that those things don't somehow earn us God's love. They educate our hearts about God's love. And then the more that we draw into that, the more we're able to simply just sit and enjoy his grace and his goodness. And I think, I think also too, something that you hinted at is these things aren't, I know you're type A, you've said that, <laughs> is these things aren't in different compartments. They're, they all are connected and they play off each other. It's kind of like we, we mentioned Instagram reels. There's been times where I've gone on Instagram and seen a reel on there, then gone on TikTok and seen the same video then go on Facebook and seen the same video, mm -hmm. then go on YouTube shorts and see the same video. They're all connected, right? And so I think it's the same way with all of the spiritual disciplines, but especially these three that are so prominent. They they all, like, I, I think sometimes I've had conversations with people, and I've even struggled with this in my on my own, is I've read scripture, and I'm like, what do I do with this? Mm -hmm. Like, my eyes have gone over the page. I've looked at the historical context. I've looked at everything. Hey, what was this word in the Greek? What do I do with this? All of these play together. I just read a passage. One powerful way that I can apply it to my life is to pray it. <laughs> what truth can I pray to God thanking him for, asking him for more of, asking him to help me experience this, to show this to other people? Um, but then even when we're doing it in community, like you said, it's, we have a community that what we're learning on our own in our relationship with Jesus, we're able to share that with other people. Um, we're able to pray for other people that are close to us in our lives. But also, like you said, um, through the different circumstances that we go through, they're able to do the same thing for us. When you're in a dark spot where, hey, I know I should be reading my Bible and I know I should be praying, but I don't want to do that. There's people in your corner that are, hey, Remember this about God. Remember this about his love. Remember this about his sovereignty. They're praying for you. They're caring for you in that way. And so I think it's important 
they all play off of each other. Yeah. I think um, there's I think there's moments that sticky note verses of scripture on your bathroom mirror are really helpful. Yeah. But then there's also moments of life that you need to see people standing behind you in the mirror that are holding up those passages no of doubt. scripture for you, you know what I mean? No doubt. And I think the the maybe the last thing I would say from the those three passages, I think the more efficiently that we do these things, kind of one of the other things that you launched out on, I think as we as we find ourselves growing and walking in these I think one of the important gauges that I would tell people to keep a check on your life is how do you, how does your practicing these things compel you to share the love that you get to enjoy with other people around you, yep. right? Because I think, again, we're always in danger of drifting back towards it being about us, whether yep. it be doing that the moral police way or doing that the immoral way. Whichever yep. way we drift, our tendency is always drift in one of these two ways. Well, it's one of those things like, for you, like you have a ton of hobbies. That's something you talk about a lot. But one in trouble with my wife. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. Um, don't listen to this, Misty. Just turn <laughs> it off at this point. But w- tell me if you agree. One way that you enjoy, so whether it's lawn care, whether it's golf, or four thousand of the other things that you do, one way that you enjoy that is by extending it, mm. right? And yeah. so, like one, for instance, is hunting. Mm. Like you took me hunting, and I would believe <laughs> one for one. And I'm done. You know, I got one. Killer. Got one. I'm done. I'm. I retired on top. But tell me if I'm wrong. You enjoy it more when you extend it, yeah. right? And so you get to extend it to other people and have them enjoy it and love it in the way that you do. That brings you more enjoyment Absolutely. in the actual thing. And so it's the same thing with our relationship with God. Yes, His love is something that we enjoy, but we enjoy it even more when we're living in the way. Hey, we're loving God, and again, we're receiving his love but we're also giving it back not only to god but to others too and i think it i think it's super important to remember that yeah that's good yeah there are so many takeaways <laughs> from this discussion um i did have a question though so we talk about these gifts or spiritual disciplines um what would you say to the non-believer are these gifts accessible to someone who hasn't yet accepted christ mm. that's a good one that's a, <laughs> that's a heavy year. I mean, right off the bat, I would say if it's a non-believer, I would say no, given that they don't have the relationship with God that we're talking about, and they haven't, their eyes haven't been open to the fact that this is who God is, this is who we are in our sin, this See, is how I think we I would, I would almost go, and this is cool you get to see this out, because I would almost disagree in the realm of... I don't know that a non-believer can experience it in the fullness that it was created for to ultimately lead to the enjoyment of God's grace because I would encourage you, the first thing that you need to do is figure out how to experience God's grace. But I think one of the cool things is that God's grace is also common, right? Like There's common gifts of God's grace. So one of the things about this podcast that we started it was whether you're a believer watching this or not a believer watching this, this gives you an opportunity uh, you know, we're God's people, yeah. and we want to share what we know about God with you. And 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 I, I don't find anywhere in Scripture that says you can't talk to God yeah, if you don't have no a relationship with Him. In fact, like I, I don't even find anything in Scripture that says you can't talk to God if you don't believe in Him. You yeah. know what I mean? But I think there's aspects of prayer where I agree with you that yeah. it's like you're not going to fully, f- fully find the joy that's intended in that gift outside of that right relationship. And that's and that's what I was going to get to is for love to be love, especially God's love. It's, it says, you know, you mentioned John 3.16, for the, he, he gave his son for the world, mm-hmm. right? And so included in that, he died for people that are going to live for him, and he died for people that aren't, they don't want anything to do with him, right? 
And so I definitely agree with that. It's definitely what I was going to say was they won't get it to the fullness until they've had that experience where they've acknowledged, hey, this is who God is. This is who I am. I'm separated. The only way to have a relationship is, but it's, but it's open to anybody. Yeah. Um, and that's sure. what makes it love um, is the fact that, man, he died for people that are going to live for him and he died for people that aren't going to have anything to do with them. I think that's good. I think that's again the kind of one of the apologies that maybe the big C church owes to a huge percentage of people is that people feel that the door back to a relationship with God has been closed by man, right? Yeah. And I and I want you to like, we don't have the power to do that. No. Like I, I can't. We don't have the power to earn it on our own, <laughs> yeah. right? Like oh. it goes back to that. Yeah. So why do we think? Well, why do I think I get to shut people out? Exactly. Of that? Yeah. yeah. That's good. So my takeaways, because I'm a note taker, um, <laughs> I've got, we can't earn God's love. We're already perfectly loved. We can enjoy it. Reading the Bible helps us understand God's heart. And prayer is about our relationship with God, and we were created for community. So I hope that everybody can take those away too. Uh, be sure to check out the show notes for the scripture references. There were a few. And subscribe to the show so you don't miss our next episode that's airing in two weeks. And you can also rate and review the podcast. Um, we would love it if you click that fifth star on the right. It helps you. Um, yes. <laughs> it helps others find the show. We will absolutely and, not get you a free milkshake at Cookout. I will. I will. I'll do it. I promise. And some cheesecake. <laughs> but thanks for spending some time with us on the Grace and the Great podcast, where we use the black and white of scripture to speak into the gray areas of